Welcome to ISO Chats Theology. I'm Lionel Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore Theological College, Sydney. During the COVID-19 isolation, I chatted with lots of my friends and colleagues here at Moore about theology, Christian life and ministry. It's the kind of discussion we'd normally have over morning tea, but the topics are highly relevant to life in a changing world. So I wanted to let you listen in. Enjoy. My pleasure today to welcome David Honey, uh, Reverend Dr. David Honey. Uh, David uh, is the academic dean here at Moore College uh, and uh, lectures in, now let me get this right, theology, philosophy and is it theology and philosophy, ethics, other things? Yeah, lecture? well, yes, and occasionally ethics, although more church history than ethics. Okay. But certainly right. theology and philosophy. Okay, yes. So various elements of, of Christian thought. Uh, I'm chatting to David today. David is uh, the, the author of a book uh, called The Last Things, uh, and uh, that's a book that is in which David is writing about uh, the end times, and what the Bible has to say and how that uh, is to be understood in terms of the doctrine of God and uh, theological thought uh, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have I summarised that correctly, David? Is that that sounds great. Excellent. Well done. Good. <laughs> good, Although good. when you hold it up to the screen, the, uh, the reverse, the reverse ir- image comes up. Oh, I see. Right. So people can read my emails or something as well, if that's the case. Well, I don't know. It's just that it's all backwards. But, you know, for uh, apocalyptic stuff, it's probably appropriate that it goes backwards somehow. Ah, there you go. (laughs) Okay. I can't even turn it upside down or anything like that. Uh, Okay. Well, that's all right. What if I press this? Ah, there there we are. are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very good. Um, and David, I'm going to talk to you today about things to do with uh, apocalyptic thinking, uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse in the book of Revelation, uh, the ideas of the end times and, and God's judgment, uh, and those kinds of, of issues. And really, this is a wide-ranging discussion. This isn't something that's been, that we sat back. I think we maybe took about 30 seconds to plan it. Uh, and there was really, at least two emails back and forward. But they, exactly, yes, plus 30 seconds before we started this video, just to, to, to confirm that that's what we were going to do. Um, but uh, David has been thinking about these issues, and obviously right now with all of the things that are happening with uh, sickness uh, around the world, COVID-19 and the various uh, lockdowns around the world and, and restrictions and, and all sorts of things, then uh, people's thoughts do turn to what is happening in the world. Uh, so to big picture things, as well as to, well, what's happening in my own life? And uh, the Bible has a lot to say about that. Uh, God's word is uh, very, very big on those questions. Uh, so I just thought I'd, I'd talk to David. And I guess my question of you, David, is what, what have you been thinking about in regards to these issues? Well, uh, a number of things. Uh, I guess my curiosity was really piqued when I came across uh, an op-ed piece in the New York Times. And uh, the title of the piece was The Moral Meaning of the Plague. Uh, And the uh, writer, a a journalist who's written a couple of, I think, I guess you'd call them moral philosophy works, was uh, putting out the question to his readers, how will we face a time of plague? Uh, And uh, 
he comments that you know we kind of know that selfishness is not the answer uh but uh, without some kind of uh what does he say without the inspiration of a higher meaning uh we're more than likely to dissolve into uh selfishness so the piece has a you know a number of references to possible higher meanings that might inspire us. So he mentions the work of Viktor Frankl, uh, the Jewish philosopher uh, who wrote after the Holocaust. Uh, Frankl's, uh, uh, I guess, rule of thumb was uh, we get meaning from the work we offer in times of crisis, the love we give, and our ability to display courage in the face of suffering. That was Frankl's uh, analysis of I suppose the way that he and others survived the Holocaust based on those three things in his rule of thumb, the writer of the op-ed piece was saying, well, there's a, there's a higher purpose or a kind of a higher bar that helps people uh, resist the uh, just falling back into selfishness. But then the thing that really caught my uh, eye in this article was the author wanted to add a fourth a fourth uh, meaning, a higher meaning, and that was um, the stories that we tell. And he says, the way we tie our moment of suffering to a larger narrative of redemption so that we can go out and stubbornly live out that story. So he's really big on the power of stories and the way we fit our life into a a larger story of redemption uh, as really the way the best way, I guess, to find meaning through this period of suffering uh, that is the, the global pandemic. Mm. So that caught your attention, I'm assuming, because uh, we Christians have a story of redemption. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to spell out the obvious, I guess. But, um, yeah. yeah. But at, at the same time, though, uh, the way that Christians handle that larger story uh, varies. Uh, and I guess that's uh, where some other thoughts came to my mind in terms of uh, the revelation, in mm. times of sort of global crisis. Uh, <clears throat> Christians, rightly or wrongly, uh, look to John's Apocalypse, the last book in the Bible, as really uh, a key to understanding uh, the end of the world, uh, the signs of the return of the Lord Jesus uh, and all those sorts of things. So uh, Revelations chapter six and seven are a story in mm. which uh, Christians rightly or wrongly place themselves uh, in order to understand God's purposes for the world and, and you know, my and your individual place uh, in those purposes. Mm. So as we speak to the world uh, uh, just to to summarize maybe I hope this is this is what what you're saying in terms of summary uh, the world is actually wanting and, and looking for these 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 stories these these narratives of redemption to provide meaning for us and uh, as we as we look at revelation those stories are there so what what do, what do we do as Christians and what's the right way or the wrong way what are, what are helpful ways and unhelpful ways to approach, for example, this book of Revelation with its weird and wonderful images. Uh, yeah, and that's right. Yeah, no, those are good. I'm glad I've summarised it. Uh, the, the weird and wonderful <laughs> images there include the uh, you know, what's known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, 
Um, I always like saying to, to, to students in first year uh, that uh, the word apocalypse actually means revelation. Uh, so when we hear apocalypse, uh, we are automatically conditioned to think of kind of uh, always end of the world things and always, you know, zombies and, and that kind of yeah. thing or, or, you know, the, the nuclear explosions or whatever it is. Uh, whereas yeah. actually what the word means is an uncovering, an unfolding of God's purposes for history and for his people. Uh, and that often does involve revelation of future things, but not always. It's revelation of, of the shape of the world and what God's doing even now. Is, is that? Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's one of the, uh, it's one of the interesting things when you actually look at this uh, chapter of uh, Revelation 6 and 7 the larger context is that the the lamb who was slain who's uh, representing the risen jesus standing before the throne of god is given the the scroll with the seals on it that's at the end of uh, chapter five and and the seals here just to, you know for those playing on home the seals are not the the aquatic animal but they are. The, yeah. No, no. Picture, picture a long piece of rolled up uh, parchment with uh, seven pieces of wax somehow attached yeah. to it. Uh, <laughs> it's those kind of seals, not the. Ar, 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 ar. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Although you know, he probably could have done that, and it wouldn't sometimes well, have been any less weird considering exactly what the, the rest seven of Revelation seals of would be. <laughs> yes, Maybe anyway, that's sorry, not to interrupt you, but uh, that's that's always fun. So there's there's the seals that he. Well, the interesting thing, uh, another uh, further thing that had uh, caught my attention in this sort of swirl of uh, thoughts was that the uh, the seals that are broken uh, are a sort of progressive uh, unfolding uh, of the will of God as God reveals his will for history through the risen Lord Jesus uh, for John uh, and the churches that he's serving to help them understand their place in the large narrative uh, of God's intentions for the world. And the four horsemen, uh, the four riders, they capture the time in which we're living, I think, quite well because the what happens if uh, again as lionel said for those who are playing at home the lamb breaks a seal uh and we have this dramatic picture of an angel calling forth uh, blowing a trumpet uh and a rider appears on the stage of history the first one's white the second one's red third one's uh, black and the fourth one's a kind of a greeny gray color and each one of them represents some kind of significant theme of world history the first white rider is uh, the conquering hero whether that's uh, representative of uh, conquering powers the roman government uh, sorry the roman empire the greek empire all throughout history there have been uh, military leaders who conquered peoples uh, and set up their own sort of kingdoms. The second one kind of follows on uh, logically from that. When uh, kings go out to conquer other countries, there's war and strife. Uh, they impose their own kind of uh, economic system, uh, which is invariably oppressive to the people who suffer under it, which is kind of the third rider. Uh, and the 
the sum total of those three things invariably ends up with death and pestilence. That is, there's either death through conflict or famine uh, or the other sorts of things that go with uh, conquering armies. Now, from John's perspective, uh, this is really a broad, broad brush picture of death, sin, death and evil uh, at work in the world. And the key thing that uh, John's trying to get across to the Christians to whom he is writing is that these things happen all the time in the world, but they're being forced to follow God's plan for the glorification of Jesus, because it's already the story starts with the risen Jesus, who's already the glorious king that we uh, are told in chapter five. And so this is an interpretation of really the purpose of these things happening in history. They're a compulsive force of chaos uh, and uh, strife and all those sorts of things, but they're always constrained in a direction uh, that heads them towards the glorification of Jesus as the true king. Some people think that actually the white rider might actually be Jesus himself, uh, because in chapter 19, a white rider is sent out, and that's most clearly uh, the Lord Jesus to sort of mop up the end of history. Whether that's the case or not, John's point is to say these events that we see around us all the time, plagues, strife, war, chaos, all these sorts of things are really the forces of sin, death and evil in the world, but they're all constrained by the one sovereign God towards his purposes of glorifying Jesus, which means that, for example, in the time of a pandemic, uh, we can be confident that God is aware that this is happening in our world. It's serving his purposes. He's not being caught out by this. Uh, this is in no way a threat to God's sovereign rule over the world. It's, in fact, it's an act of judgment on God's part to allow this kind of thing to happen as the uh, seals in this Revelation 6 and 7 make clear that these catastrophic events are actually God's judgment on the sin of the world, not your particular sin or my particular sin, but the kind of chaotic network of millions of sinful people living in a broken world, that sort of furor. Uh, maybe a way to think about it is uh, the smoke that was gathered over Sydney over the summer that wasn't the result of one little fire here or a blaze that broke out there or some uh, flames here and there. It was actually like the tumult of all those things gathered together as a pall over the city. That's the picture of sin that's being dealt with uh, in the Revelation. And this explanation of these seals of God's judgment being opened actually helps to give it all a shape that it's being forced by God's sovereign will to suit his purposes of judgment that will uh, result in people being drawn to the true king, the risen Lord Jesus. Mm. And, and to, to, to spell that out a bit more, or to, I, I guess when, when, when Christians talk about 
events like you know, big world events like COVID-19 or, or the bushfires or whatever, and we speak about them as, as God's judgment, as you, as you just have, uh, and as, as, as we actually see in Revelation, often uh, we're misunderstood or perhaps, in fact, sometimes Christians actually mean um, a very specific thing. That, that is, they mean, well, uh, you know, our, our nation or certain people in our nation have done something specifically wrong. Um, there's a specific sin that they identify. And then they say, and this is a specific uh, judgment against that sin. Uh, yeah. So, you know, to, to, to be, uh, you know, ridiculous, but, you know, we, we, we've got this, the sin of um, eating too much frozen yogurt or something. And, and because we've been eating, eating too much frozen yogurt, God has directly sent us COVID-19 to stop that from happening or, or you know, something like that. Yeah, you know, obviously that's, yeah that's right. Uh, that's, that's right. And that's, that's not what you're saying. Uh, no, not at all. Yeah. And, and, and I agree that, that it's that this, this picture of revelation it's the uncovering of God's purposes for his world that includes these terrible things uh, that cause widespread havoc, like you know, the, the death and, and war and, and those uh, things and, and uh, you know, pestilence, etc. cetera. Uh, and this, this, this interprets all of those things, not the specific thing of COVID-19, but, but this kind of thing which COVID-19 represents is... is uh, this is saying that this is God's uh, ongoing judgment, not just against the specific sin of eating frozen yogurt, yeah. but against my sin and your sin, everybody's sin, not specifically, but but together. I think I think I'm just spelling what, out what you just said, but uh, it's it's always important for us to. Oh, uh, it, it's very important because uh, it gives us perspective mm. that there really is something wrong with the world. Uh, mm. It's not just an environmental problem, and in one respect, that's what makes uh, a pandemic uh, so timely to help Christians understand their place in the world. There's something invisibly wrong with us that's causing people to die. The Bible's description of that is sin. That kind of willfulness that makes us take a good world that God has given us and keep it all for ourselves. You know, and the most ridiculous uh, symptom of that that we've seen in this outbreak is the way that people have hoarded toilet paper. It's it's really you know it's tragic in so far as God has given us this perfectly obvious sign that there's something wrong with the way that we relate to one another and think of ourselves. That's the Lord saying, look at what you're doing with yourselves. You're hoarding toilet paper. It's not even a gastro bug. <laughs> but that, you know, beneath that tragedy is an everyday reality that when push comes to shove, I'll choose myself over you. Yeah. Uh, and it's a symptom of a larger virus that our culture has that's analogically breaking out all over the world and affecting everybody, whether they're rich or poor or white or brown or black. It's sin mm. and it brings death to us. We all die because of sin and the kind of chaotic network of the world in which we live that ruins our world and ruins our lives is being caught up in this uh, highly 
graphic pictures of uh, Revelation 6 and 7, even to the point of mentioning uh, death and plague, to help the Christians that John is writing to, to see all of this is within the plans of God to glorify the Lord Jesus. And things like this are a wake-up call that actually the world isn't great uh, and that we aren't able to determine a future, a glorious future for ourselves, uh, individually or corporately. All of that desire is being channeled towards the truth about the world, that the Lord Jesus is the ruler over it. Mm. And that is what uh, the apocalypse gives us, the, the book of Revelation, i.e. the book of the apocalypse. It gives us that revelation, that interpretation of what's going on, uh, rather yeah, than us just saying, well, this is bad and, we, and we're, we're suffering in it. Um, and so that's just an unfortunate accident of history that we all happen to be suffering and, and everything's meaningless and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And yeah, um, that, that, that we, need, we need that revelation to make sense of it. Uh, yeah. And the revelation is a, is a redemption story too. So uh, if, if it was only a revelation of judgment, if it was only a revelation of, of, of our sin, well, it wouldn't be much use to us and we might as well just go and crawl into a hole and not listen to it because uh, it's not going to be very helpful for us in the sense that... Well, uh, in the later part of chapter 7, uh, John mentions the princes and kings of the world and all the peoples wanting to hide in caves and have the rocks and mountains cover over them to hide mm -hmm. them from the, uh, the face of uh, the throne of God. Uh, mm -hmm. In one respect... That's the wrong reaction uh, to the judgment of God. The right reaction is it to call out to God to save us. <clears throat> and he's, That's always the right reaction to God. Yes, yes, it is, isn't it? Uh, and we so often just run away from it. Uh, yeah. But when it's, when it's so obvious, there is, a, uh, there is, uh, there, there is, there is that um, God bringing us these these. Uh, warnings which are very severe but they're actually not total it's not it's not the total final complete end of the world yeah uh, yeah that's right is is the opportunity to to call to him and ask him to save us uh, which, yeah that's right yeah which does happen uh, and that, yeah that's right and so the chapter seven chapter seven finishes with actually god saving uh and uh, the chosen people of God are gathered together. There are you know, a great crowd without number all before the throne of God to show that this is in fact uh, what God was heading history towards all along. Hmm. Could I read that? I, I think I'll read it. I've got it in front of me. Yeah, yeah, uh, please do. <laughs> so one, one of the elders addressed me saying, so after, after all these things happening uh, uh, and all, these, all these, these terrible things in chapter 6, I'm just, I'm just working out exactly where to start. It's all, it's all great. But <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll start with chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, and then a little bit later on, 
Uh, there are these people who have come out of the Great Tribulation, uh, and it's, uh, it's said, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits, who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Uh, that's, the, that's the hope. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? And yeah. therein, that in too is a reminder to us that uh, right now we're in the throes of missing our church communities. You know, we have to meet like this uh, all the time. And uh, several people I've spoken to have said, oh, look, we can't wait to be able to get back to church again. Uh, and yet even that, that's too little. What the uh, picture that John wants to put before you is, just getting back to life without COVID, if that's all we're aiming for, it's far too little. It's so much less than what God wants to give us through the glorified Jesus. It's a new creation that's free from pandemics. That's actually where uh, God wants history to go and will bring history towards. That's the future horizon that Christians need to realign their uh, eyes to. Mm. And this is a chance for us to do that, isn't it? To look to, yeah, that's look right. to heaven because that's what, uh, that's what the, the apocalypse, the revelation keeps pointing us towards as to what's going on in heaven. Uh, yeah. That is God's, under God's care and rule. Uh, so to, to keep our eyes fixed on that when we, uh, yeah, when, when we are under all of this. Uh, I always like this, just a you know, this little thing, there's this, this image of the lamb who will be their shepherd. I always say that's a wonderful, uh, revelation is full of, of mixed images and mixed metaphors and that's one of the most mixed metaphor you could possibly yeah. have you've got a you've got a yeah. little lamb who's a who's a shepherd <laughs> but uh it's because the lamb uh represents jesus christ who was uh crucified for our sins who was slain as sort of a sacrificial lamb uh, and who died for us so that we uh ourselves could go free and could be uh, god's people uh he yeah. died for our judgment and our sin and, and he's the lamb who also will be our shepherd and will yeah. care for us and wipe away every tear from our eyes. Um, well, I think that what that captures for us is uh, uh, an analogy or a picture of all those times in the gospel where Jesus says exactly the opposite of what you would expect. If we're aspiring to a great future of glory, Jesus says, well, actually, you only get it through dying first. If we're wanting to be great uh, and noteworthy, well, it's the smallest, it's the least of these. That's who Jesus reaches down to save in order to raise them up. Mm. Mm. Yes, yes. Uh, the revelation is, is amazing, isn't it? Pointing back to the gospel, pointing back to the gospels and pointing us to the gospel uh, with its weird and wonderful uh, mixed imagery of all sorts of different things, but uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. certainly attention grabbing. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yes, and a wonderful comfort as well. Um, I think that's really helpful. I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's been, it's been great to chat to you, David. Have you had oh, thanks, other thanks thoughts for about these things? Uh, maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. That's <laughs> great. Yes. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's about a that's about a, a, a very hearty morning tea's worth of conversation. And, That's uh, right. I, I hope it's been uh, uplifting and helpful for people.
it certainly has been for me. I think that's just been a, it's been a high, it's been the highlight of my day. I think having a chat. Terrific. See you next time, peeps. See you next time. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to ISO Chats Theology. I'm Lytle Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore Theological College, Sydney. If you like this podcast, please consider sharing us and please review and rate the podcast on your favourite podcast platform so others get to hear about it too. Video versions are available on YouTube or on my website at lionelwindsor.net. You might also like to check out another podcast I've created called Lift Your Eyes, a series of 70 reflections on Ephesians. And by the way, the name for this podcast was created by Adelaide Windsor. The theme music was written and performed by me and Harry Windsor, and the cover art was designed by Ellie Windsor. Love their work. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.